A fair warning. This episode contains domestic violence. Hello, you're listening to The Mastery Diplomat. By definition, feminism is a range of social movements, political movements, and ideologies that aim to define and establish the political, economic, personal, and social equality of the sexes. And while we owe every bit of development in women's rights to the pioneer feminists who had the courage to speak up in the past, it has been debated that feminism in today's society has gone overboard to a point where it is no longer of gender equality, but rather of female superiority. So in this episode, I am joined by Radi and Rue to explore this debate and discuss how feminism is being articulated within today's society. Some claim that feminism has become women's source or tool for manipulation, and this claim specifically brought to mind the recent divorce case of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Why we're interested in this case, because feminism within the, the divorce case kind of was articulated to deviate how the divorce case would go. And one of the lawyers actually was quoted in the BBC News, and he said it was not just the fans and the media who were watching carefully. Lawyers were already wondering if he won, if Johnny Depp won, what impact this would have on women coming forward with claims of domestic violence. This case is probably being in the spotlight and most people have been talking about it. It's probably the headline case of the past year. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, so they had 18 months, I think around 18 month marriage and were together for a couple of years beforehand. The case really started when Amber Heard filed for divorce um, against Johnny Depp and added a domestic abuse clause into it. But what has really sparked the public debate about all of this was the recent leakage by Depp of the two arguing over a physical altercation in 2015. He released a tape of the two, so the two were debating the degree to which Heard injured Depp. At one point, Heard tells Depp she was hitting him. She says, quote, Babe, you're not punched. I don't know what the motion of my hands was, but you're fine. I did not hurt you. I did not punch you. I was hitting you. At another point, Depp can be heard saying, quote, I do not want to leave you. I do not want a divorce. I do not want you out of my life. I just want peace. If things get physical, we can't stay together. Her then later goes on to say that she cannot promise not to hurt him. And in these moments, she just loses it and she can't promise she will change. Now, when this tape came out, I think it's it sparked a huge amount of support for Depp, not just from his obvious loyal fans, but brought a lot of women, I think, also, who don't always like to identify themselves as feminists nowadays because of the slight extremism connotation that's part of it. And this kind of showcases why. Heard prior to this had spoken at the March for Women in Washington, D.C., wrote an article in the Washington Post that basically defamated Depp's career, calling for him as a domestic abuser. And he lost a liability case to The Sun recently that called him a wife beater because they said there was enough claims that he did in fact injure Heard. Now, I think where we can see that there's a difference in these two narratives really came in uh, the police tapes Mm -hmm. that were shown of the two when they went to to court. So Depp can be seen as somewhat taking accountability. He understands that the two had physical fights, but what he is arguing against is that he's not a wife beater, he's not an abuser, because she abused him too. This is a relationship that is just full of physical abuse. The two obviously had a very toxic relationship. Yeah. 
they both beat each other or one beat the other. Like that's that's the point. But what Depp is trying to do is take it out of this and and say it's not just him. He was in a toxic relationship. But we can also see from this tape, what Heard has been saying is that Depp wanted like he he did this because he just wanted to hurt me and stuff. You can see he was trying to hold on to the relationship, mm. but he didn't want to. Now there was an article that came out by a friend of Depp's who claimed that the day after his mother died, Amber Heard had blackmailed him by saying, I want a divorce and I'm going to get it basically in any way. I'm going to call your names and I'm going to ruin your career if you don't give me what I want. That was the day after his mother died. And he went to his friends and admitted this and they call it one of the most vulnerable moments they had ever seen him. He lost a lot of acting mm. roles. Yeah. His career was heavily damaged. Yeah. And in today's society, what feminism has come to be translated into as woman is always mm. right, man is always wrong. Yeah. And I think somehow this can disrupt justice in some sense because now we're looking at Johnny Depp as a, as a bad guy. And even though he had been in a toxic relationship and both agents were in a physical fight at some point. So... My concern is here during the divorce case, when the judge wanted to make a decision, he couldn't deviate from the fact that there's a feminist movement going on and he cannot deviate from the fact that if he if he says that Amber Heard is guilty, then he wouldn't just be saying that she's guilty. It's going to have some consequences over women who are going to come and report sexual or domestic abuse. It's hard because it, it's such a high profile case. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a sense that because Johnny Depp tried to do like pay Amber her divorce admin and everything under wraps because I think he didn't want it to come out. And people were saying that that's an admittance of guilt that he was trying to do this. She played it in a way that was so different. The first thing she did was write an op-ed to the Washington <laughs> Post about him being a, a domestic abuser. Then she spoke at the March for uh, Women. Mm. And only recently, with this whole Marilyn Manson case that's come out, exactly, yes. she has come out and said, I know how you feel because this is what happened to me yeah. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the, the lawyer said on behalf of her, the fact that a woman fights or talks back does not mean that she has not been subject of repeated domestic violence or abuse. And I think that goes the same for men. Just because a man exactly. might fight back does not mean that he hasn't been subjected to domestic violence and abuse and I think that's the epitome of that relationship that someone initiated it and then someone fought back and both are uh, actions of domestic violence okay. how come is she representing feminism so because of one bad seed or one bad apple now feminism needs to be pushed back does that mean feminism cannot coexist with those women I think the problem with her is I agree with you I think there's always going to be the bad seed as you put it but when someone is is so high cased or you know in the spot like as she is, it's to a different level. Mm. Like, there is some kind of responsibility. You got people looking at you. You got a lot of people looking at your case. Yes. And the thing that annoys me so much about her is the fact that feminism, especially twenty first century feminism, is about giving women voices to say something. That's a whole Me Too movement. It's about giving women the chance, like the confidence. The knowing that they can be listened to, their voices to be heard. Amber Heard can sit there and, and pretend she's a feminist, but ultimately she's, she's not because she's taking away people's space to talk. There are cases that deserve much more public profile, but her case is getting way more than that. Mm. She had the chance to speak at the March for Women when someone who could 
actually, who was deserving to speak there, wasn't able to. And it all comes down to who her friends are, who she's lined up against, who's supporting her. Yeah, but also another thing is like, okay, she's mm. abusing her power, but mm. power corrupts. So in a way, like she, every powerful person or like woman can abuse feminism in this way. Mm. And so what do we do in this case? And if we align ourselves with other people who think she's abusing feminism, which means that feminism is going too far, I think we might align ourselves with people who would also be against FK tweaks. Mm. Like she shouldn't bring out stuff that are in private. Because yeah. a lot of people do believe that. Like what what happened in the relationship should stay in the relationship. And if something big happens, just go to the police. Don't make it public. A lot of people have an issue with that. Which like a lot of people, a big part of that is just men. I'm not hating men. I'm just, I, <laughs> I think it's men that do that. So I think we should just try to like be against Amber Heard and criticize her, but then with feminism, so we can support people like FK Twigs, mm. as yeah. an example. Yeah, that's the that... thing, because the recent feminist discourse has allowed people like Amber Heard to take up space. I'm not, I'm, I hate using the word take up space, because we actually do not know if she's if she's the good person or the bad person here. I mean, they are both equally guilty, probably. Why this topic is such an important case for me is because you don't even dare tell them maybe you're lying, you know? Mm. Just because she's a woman, you're afraid of saying, no, maybe you're lying. Maybe you're I think manipulating it. I think it's also because she's a high-profile woman. I mm. think women are still told that. Yeah. Mm. You're lying, I don't believe you. You know, yeah. that, that still happens, but mm. it doesn't happen to someone who's worth... 500 million in in, mm. in Hollywood who's yeah. the, the star of the new Aquaman and also she does have supporters who I am going to guess I'm not sure would be women who were told you're lying you're not true so they're pushing back but it, just in the wrong way because they were not given a platform so now they're giving a, a platform as an emotional response but just to the wrong person so I, I just think we should consider that uh, Donna Rotuno if you haven't heard was Harvey Weinstein's attorney when the whole Me Too saga started what is interesting about her is that she's a woman. She has represented more than 40 men in sexual assault trials. The reason she does it is because she believes there should be due process. Just because you're accused doesn't mean you're automatically guilty. Which makes sense. It's similar to what like the Johnny Depp case was. Mm, mm. He shouldn't have been automatically guilty. See, this is the contrast between the divorce case of Johnny Depp and the Harvey Weinstein lawyer. It's like... The two, you're seeing the two sides, and yet, even though you see the female Harvey Weinstein lawyer defending the men who were accused of sexual abuse, you're a girl, you're a woman, why would you defend men against women? And then you go to the Johnny Depp case, and you're like, why are you being so hard on Johnny Depp? He has... <laughs> It's like these, this feminism has been articulated in such ways that you can't even pinpoint what we're talking about anymore. It is interesting to say that she is representing him only post-2017 and he's been accused of sexually assaulting women and just making women uncomfortable, which is not a crime. She states herself that it's a crime is different than a sin. So in a way she's saying everything before 2017 was just a sin. An argument that's been stated a lot by feminists and people aligned to feminism is that since Harvey Weinstein was so big as a producer, his work could make or break a, an actress' career. Mm -hmm. So if the actress didn't do something that he wanted, then uh, he would just blacklist her. I find Donna Rotuna a bit shady because then she says that's not true. The reason that's not true is because if he called another powerful producer, because he's not the only one, which mm. is true, 
Then Harvey Weinstein says to that powerful producer, don't use actress A. It would just make the other producer use her more. He's a lot more powerful mm. than the actresses. And I think that's what also should be looked at when we're considering accusers of sexual assault. If a woman who doesn't have like a big following, uh, mm -hmm. maybe is not white, disabled maybe, and then she accuses a powerful man or just a man mm -hmm. that she's been sexually assaulted, that would look very different than Amber Rose. Another case I can bring up is, have you heard of Exerbia? He's a British YouTuber who is currently staying in Bulgaria. He was dating this Dutch girl who has Asperger's and then she accused him of sexual assault. She, she was a nobody basically, she had like a small following but compared to him he was huge. And then his fans didn't believe her. And more, moreover, they said, don't bring it to the public. Just say it to the police officers. Don't dirty his name in a way. Mm. Which I think I disagree with that statement. The sexual assault happened in Bulgaria. She did bring it to the police officers, but that was difficult to prove. So her other option was just to make it public. But then there was a huge backlash against her. And I think partly because it was stated that because she's autistic, quote unquote, mm -hmm. then she doesn't know what happened. So I think it's just if it's a powerful woman accusing mm -hmm. a man, it would look very different. It, exactly. Just it like, like Amber Heard in Johnny Depp. That's exactly. what it would look like. This is why the case of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard is mm. very interesting to us, because here you have a small town girl with Asperger's and mm. be accusing a somewhat powerful guy of sexual assault and no one would believe her in some mm. sense and don't take it to the public don't dirty his name we're trying to say that feminism sometimes it's being articulated within these power plays in society i think also the slogan believe all women mm. can go very wrong yes i do understand where they're coming from because it's difficult to bring up something when you've been assaulted yeah and to make the other people the police so i understand what they're trying to get at with this slogan but it is also ineffective because you can't believe all women. Yeah. A question to you guys. Do you think then, can we say that feminism has lost its way or maybe has gone overboard? I think that now feminism includes women of color as, as well as trans people, trans women. That would not have happened even like a couple of years back. Ten years ago would not have been a big thing. And I'm sure there were arguments how feminism has gone too far already. So I feel like if we put the stop now to feminism, we would not let it evolve mm -hmm. and get to a higher stage where it exactly. would be more inclusive. Mm. Is there then a right amount of feminism? I think in society you can play a card now that you couldn't used to play. Mm. You can play the female card or you mm. can play the the black card or you know the white card or whatever card you have, I don't know. And I feel like that becomes dangerous and kind of like what you were saying, the slogan, we should believe all women. I... I I hate that slogan too because I think it should be something like we should hear all women mm -hmm. and we should hear all people. Yep. yep doesn't exactly. matter. You should always have a chance to say something. But again, it, the law is innocent until proven guilty. Mm -hmm. You know? And if we're going to follow that, then this it needs to be done in a way which everyone should be heard, whether it's a, a man or a woman. And, you know, even like we're discussing these cases, like even with Amber Heard, she has much more of a public way of speaking and, and got ahead of Johnny Bedeff in, in, in about a like six months period. So people knew her story way before he came out. Yeah. And people didn't hear his side until recently. And now it sparked into this, you know, who do you believe? Mm. Exactly. But if we'd heard both stories from the beginning, it's not about who we believe, then it would just become an innocent until proven guilty case. Exactly. It would have been like a normal case, a normal divorce case without using the feminist card. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think 
the feminist card can be used in in definitely in situations where it's needed and i think especially in developing worlds where feminism is developing alongside it mm-hmm. it's really important and and support from people around the world is is important to those cases so i just think sometimes the <laughs> i know you don't like say like taking up space but because <laughs> everyone deserves it but there are people in this world who need to be heard who need a chance to be heard mm. and sometimes you do take up too much time you mm. take up too much time when it becomes a case of you're just playing a card that could She's be just... given to someone else mm. at this exactly. time she's riding the wave and mm. taking it to her advantage to win a case uh but also that's a good slogan i like hear all women instead of believe all women yeah. it's an ever evolving process if yeah. you want to mention period specifically so they say menstruators and she herself said menstruators does not sound good no. but it's it's an ever evolving thing and now it's people who menstruate who i think is better it mm. might get even like a higher phase or like higher phrase i mean uh, yeah. that sounds better but you just start from somewhere and then you go up yeah i think that's like the the beauty kind of of our society now with technology and everything everyone gets a i feel like you can either see it as a bad thing all the labels or you can see it as a good thing mm-hmm. and i think there's more empowerment in these labels that bring people together you find communities where whether it's the community in person around you cannot comprehend or sympathize mm-hmm. with your cause but you find halfway across the world people that understand you and support you i think that's quite a beautiful thing and and feminism with these evolving terms that they're bringing is helping with that mm-hmm. but i do think there are certain people who you know feminism do shut out a lot of time and i feel it's a problem especially in a lot of like western countries maybe america i'm not too sure about the netherlands but america for sure it's just narrowing down to a small pick of people who were friends again of friends of people who can be believed and we've seen that with Amber Heard mm-hmm. you know she got a platform stage because she was friends with Emma Stone and people you know yeah, yeah. with Halsey like all these people who actually went through something but because she's friends with them she gets a platform we've agreed that feminism is an ever changing uh ideology mm-hmm. and even within the ideology there are subgroups who don't even agree with each other take for example gender critical two radical feminists two other radical feminists gender critical is people who excludes trans people from their feminism then fourth wave feminists who can be considered radical as well include them and that's like a big part of their platform and what they're going for so we see that there are these waves that have been coming since the early 20th century right the first wave which was all about voting then about putting women into their workforce problem do exists so men have problems as well as women So if we continue evolving feminism, continue growing it and creating new stages and ma- trying to make it more uh inclusive. I don't think we're ever going to reach a point of this is what feminism is because I think each time has its own challenges, its own circumstances, its own pe- it's a it's a whole entire period. What we need now is different from what the 18th and the 19th century women wanted. I think now as the globe is becoming more open and we're understanding culture in a completely different way mm-hmm. feminism has to adapt to that itself mm-hmm. it has to become a thing of culture mm-hmm. feminist culture in america is completely different to feminist culture in singapore in bulgaria or in lebanon that's very true yeah it's very different i just read a, a paper about muslim women and feminism mm-hmm. and this whole idea of 
the the white women saving the Muslim ladies from yeah. the Abu, hijab, you yeah. know? Yeah, Abu Lahoud, she's a Palestinian scholar. She lives in the USA and she wrote this article about do Muslim women really need saving? And mm, it's, that, that yeah, it. yeah, and she, she was talking about even though as the West sees the hijab as something very restrictive, something very oppressive, Muslim women, on the other hand, consider it as a mobile home. It's like a sanctuary wherever they go. It's their own personal space. They don't see it as oppressive. So mm. you can't really apply Western ideology of feminism mm-hmm. to to an Arab country or to Arab women or Muslim culture in that sense, wherever mm. they may be. So I think feminism needs to adapt to its culture and to see what people want. <laughs> there isn't a best form of feminism or a right amount of feminism. It's something that's malleable and goes with the circumstances of a society. And that's why I wouldn't agree with believe all women, but hear all women because the background of every woman needs to be taken into account. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And even in America, like now, people are looking at Phyllis Schlafly and being like, well, she had loads to say, but you know, back in the 80s when she was saying all this, everyone was like, oh, you're anti-feminist. Yeah. But there's a whole... F- now people are actually deeming her a feminist, but in a different way, because she represented a part of America that wanted something, wanted the protection mm-hmm. of being able to choose to work at home, mm. you know? And also for men now, it's this whole, like, equality. Okay, you get the choice to work at home. You you can have a woman as a breadwinner, and it should be normalized that a man wants to stay at home, yeah. you know? And then you've got the same women who are like, all oh, women should go out and, and work, but are like, oh, my man stays at home and doesn't and looks after the kids. Yeah. All of this is to do with the different nar- narratives of what people want in order to come to an understanding. It doesn't need to come to a complete and concrete solution, Mm. but an ability to sympathize and empathize with another human being, which the world in itself is a value that is found in every culture. Mm. It's something that we should strive to have. Mm. Yeah, thinking you, uh, hearing you talk, I do agree that probably one solution is not possible, Mm -hmm. but progress is possible. Exactly. So that's what we should strive for. This discussion actually reminded me of a conversation I had with a Dutch friend about the upcoming national Dutch elections. And as you know, Sigrid Kach is running in these elections and with the party D66. And I was talking about her now. Personally, I like Sigrid Kach because to me, she's a competent person to run in elections. But when I was talking to my Dutch friend, she was like, yeah, I can't wait for the elections to come. I want to vote. I'm like, oh, who are you going to vote for? Sigrid Kach is running. And she's like, yeah, of course, I'm going to vote for her. And I'm asked if she knew what her program was like what why is she voting for her and she was like I don't care about her program she's a woman and I'm like no this is my issue when when it comes to the concept of feminism being a feminist does not mean neglecting the fact if if a person is competent for a certain role yeah I don't agree with her but I understand where she's coming from she's just being explicit in her biases but I do still believe they are implicit biases and that's why sometimes people can say there should be a woman leader not because they think women are better leaders but because they think they've been underrepresented it's not because women are necessarily bad leaders or good leaders it's because when people look for someone in a leadership role both men and women struggle with sexist tendencies from a Bulgarian side like we had the elections in 2017 and then people outright said I would rather have a man who is a president to be fair Bulgar- Bulgarians are more comfortable with say- stating sexist things 
but I wouldn't say that here in the West it doesn't exist. I just think they don't share it. Mm. So I think that's where your friend is coming from. I'll give some examples where implicit biases do show and we can see it with data, which is the most credible way to see it in a way, because mm -hmm. otherwise implicit is very difficult to prove. Mm. So in the top five orchestras in the US, there were less than 5% of women who were playing. Then in, until 1980s, there were 10% of female musicians. But by 1997, they were up to 25% and some of them, some of the orchestras are now up to the 30s. What changed? In the late 1970s, orchestras slowly started deciding to include blind auditions in the process, which meant that there would be a curtain and then a person would be playing behind the curtain. And some women were even given the advice that they should take off their shoes because that might give away that they are women. So I think it's not because women rapidly became better musicians. It's because they implicitly people, or maybe even explicitly, people chose men. Probably because they've seen in orchestras more men, so they associated orchestras with men, I would say. So in a similar vein, I would say that works with leaders. You see men in more, more men in leadership roles. So that's why you think men are better leaders, better suited leaders. So again, I think it's a, a way of showing that. We have implicit biases and it goes the other way too. Like I'm sure if we have a way of deciding jobs of nurses, but then don't look at the person who does it, we might see that men are just as capable and just as nurturing. I just was thinking, because you brought up nurses. Mm -hmm. So this reminded me of an article in the UK and a lot of like boarding schools in the UK, there's like this thing called a matron who's like the mum of the house. So they they like look after the girls. Like if you have any problems, you go over there for some medication or whatever. And recently at like this high profile, quite a, a liberal school in the UK, a man was given the appointment of the, being a matron. And it was in the girls' boarding house. Oh, wow. And the girls of the boarding house complained. And they're quite a liberal one. So it, it, it caused a big stir of like, you want equality, this is equality and stuff. And... A lot of the girls was, you know, coming out and saying they just didn't feel comfortable because a lot of them are from the age of 13 to 18. Mm. So some of those girls are just starting their period. And it can become uncomfortable, I guess, for some of them to go up to a man and start asking, like, can I have the day off school because I've just started my period? Or can I get some medication? I don't have anything because that's where you would go if you had any of these troubles. And that just got me thinking, are there in society just certain roles that women should have? Versus, because this whole this idea that women can do everything, mm -hmm. but when it gets turned around, women say men can't do every job. Mm. I think it shouldn't be women can do this, men can do that. For me, I'm just concerned with the idea that if you wish to do that job, if you decided to take on that career, I would prefer if no one stood in front of you and told you you can't do that. You shouldn't be held back because of your gender. If men were accustomed to the idea of the period, it wouldn't be such an issue. But because they've been raised away from that concept, then why should they be more compassionate with it? Because they are very strange to the topic. That's what I was thinking. I think it also comes from like home, right? Mm -hmm. If men fathers are more accustomed to talking about these things to their girls and there isn't this idea that boys have to be brought up by like in a more masculine father way and the women can bring up their girls in this way mm -hmm. I think that that 
ricochets into society. So ideas that a man can be a matron, uh, girls could therefore feel more comfortable. I'm not going to say that's going to change in the next 10 years. I'm thinking like 50 minimum. (laughs) But (laughs) it's something that we could strive for as a society because it would also make us more understandable of Mm -hmm. each other. Yes. You know? And like that's the first thing that came into my mind. At this point, an idea that... I understand where these girls are coming from because they're not brought up in a household maybe that they feel comfortable that they can talk. Exactly. Especially in some like religious households. We're going to need another two, three generations yeah. starting with us as the grandparents exactly. to be able to say that. But uh, also I think that's the beauty of uh, feminist waves and why they should be categorized like that because maybe you were raised by maybe only you, because <laughs> I, I was not, but maybe you're raised by a second wave feminist. You in turn would be a third or a fourth wave feminist and you would instill different yet similar values in your kids, both boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how things change. But the thing I also wanted to mention, so they say 20% minimum need women need to be hired specifically. I'm talking about Google and they have a quota that they hire 20% at least in the technical department, women. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing it up because it was a big deal in 2017. This guy named James Damore, he was a Google programmer, software engineer. And he had posted this memo in between, like, true Google emails, like, just between his uh, co-workers, that Google is pushing too heavily on their diversity quota. So, basically, they shouldn't have a diversity quota because, naturally, men and women have different interests. And sometimes the best person needs to get a job. And there shouldn't be a quota because of that. The mm. argument I have against him is, first, he never mentioned that the quota is only 20%. The way he was talking about it, it was, like, 50-50, yeah. which is very different. Mm-hmm. Second, I checked statistics, like, who graduates uh, technical degrees. 18% of women graduate computer science degrees, and then 43% graduate in mathematics or statistics. So take them both, and 20% is actually quite reasonable. Both men and women supported him and said there shouldn't be a diversity quota. I am good enough. Like women were like, I'm good enough of a quota. I don't want to be chosen just because of the quota. Mm-hmm. But taking taken it from the context that it's only 20% and that people have biases, specifically in the STEM, so science, Technology, engineering, and mathematics, it's huge at the moment because that's where the most salaries, the highest salaries are. Mm -hmm. But there is a lot of biases in the STEMs. So it does make sense that the 20% quota would be there instead of just having zero and hoping the people who are hiring would make the choice of a best person, Mm. the best coder. And I guess I'm just arguing for quotas as long as like they're not high, so high that they don't make sense. Mm. I would not be arguing for 50-50. No, I completely agree with you. And tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like it's a very competitive field as well. And somewhere like Google is like top notch, you know, you, you want to make it to that company. Yeah. It just reminded me of a story. There's a guy I know at DK and he was saying like there are certain jobs for women, certain jobs for men. Hmm. And he's like, someday maybe women can make it to, you know, DK. And he had this exam he had to do and he went and he came back and I was like, how'd it go? He's like, oh my God, like only 20% passed the exam. It was so impossible, so impossible. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to ask um, these girls, like these five girls on my course all passed. They did so well. And I was like, <laughs> bro, come on, man. I'm like, maybe you should ask them. Maybe you get some help. Sorry, it just came into my head, that story. Yeah, um, I think it's a good uh, a representation of how people can be because I am I study econometrics, which is a lot of people think is just economics, but includes more mathematics and computer science. So a lot of those types exist in our study too. And then imagine those types would be the hiring committee at some company. 
So exactly. that's the scary part. Yes, that's very true. And it brings us back to our point that gender should be irrelevant. And if you want to write a code, if you want to cook, if you want to do whatever you want to do, you don't really need a specific genitalia to do mm. that. And I think there's something very important about gender, especially as our world becomes more globalized. This idea that you shouldn't see color so you can recognize people, and especially in, in places where representation matters, it's important that we do now as a society see color so we can go uh, so we can talk about people's life's experiences so we can come together better as a community because not seeing color quote unquote hasn't worked out kind of so far and it isn't because we are different and mm. we are we do have different needs in life and we have different experiences and you become a better human being by listening to other people's experiences but as our world becomes more globalized women are coming from everywhere different types of women whether it be transgendered women whether it be different nationalities different colors di different religions there is different kinds of women everywhere and that's what this feminism new wave of feminism it's not about seeing gender but it's about so we if we lose the gender we're then going to see the more diversity of women mm. within each other yeah. and then we can have better representation mm. it's not just about white women anymore it's not just about christian women anymore mm -hmm. it's about all women it's not just about american women dutch women british women bulgarian women you know <laughs> lebanese women it's about everyone and i think that's what's the kind of beautiful thing about this whole like don't see gender we see women and the divide diversity within women mm -hmm. then we might be able to represent each other better we might mm -hmm. be able to have better discussions about feminism and what each other's needs and wants and aspirations are mm. so we become a more inclusive society thank you for listening to this episode of the maastricht diplomat the lead producer on this episode was sherelle co-producers were radi and rue the music in this episode was produced by Stone Ocean. We'd like to hear what you have to say on this episode. So hit us up on our social media platforms and don't forget to follow us and maybe even rate us on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks again for listening. Hoi hoi.